0: Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host this morning for the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship for the Archdiocese of Chicago. We just spoke with Ryan Lentz from the Office for Human Dignity and Solidarity about some resources out there that you can um, invest in and and uh, read on um, racism that's happening in our culture today. And up next, we have Joyce Deriga from the, uh, Chicago Catholic. Hello, Joyce.
1: Hey, Beth. How are you?
0: Good. How are you? Very well, thanks. Good. So Joyce is an editor for uh, Chicago Catholic, and she has been with Chicago Catholic for how long? It'll be 13 years in October. Wow, 13 years. So you have many of the stories of the Archdiocese in your head, huh?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, the ones that stay, but yes.
0: So we were talking, um, Joyce and I are colleagues, and we were chatting one day, and she indicated to me that Um, that you really see your work, Joyce, as evangelizing, that you really see the work that you do every day um, as a part of an instrument of evangelization. So maybe you could explain that to our listeners.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've always looked at it, I've always looked at it as, you know, going up all the world to to share the good news, right? Like, I'm born on the Feast of the conversion of St. Paul, which is the 25th of January, and the the responsorial sum for that day is always go out to all the world and tell the good news. And That's what we do, right? I mean, we not some of it's not good news, some of it's you know tough stuff that's going on in the archdiocese. But the the crux of what we're doing is really um, going out and meeting people who are living their faith in their everyday lives in lots and lots of different ways, whether it's you know as ministers in the church, whether it's just volunteers who have a heart for the faith, um, you know, talking about. Issues of the church, what the church teaches, and why, and the as a communication tool, you know, the church has. We've had these for since the beginning of time, and so that we, um, so that's that's really what we do. We go out and share what people are doing and try and inspire people through those stories and to live their faith more fully and understand more where the what the church teaches and and um, how people can live that out. So It's fun.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things in the Catholic world that we talk about is the fact of how hard it is um, for Catholics to share their story. And there's all kinds of underlying reasons for that, but that they're very quiet about their faith, um, typically, and don't really share. So how, do you find that in your role that you, um, you get the gift of telling people stories that they may not normally want to tell?
1: Yeah, you know it's a um, a lot of thoughts come to mind because I just ran into somebody yesterday or Saturday when I was doing a story, and she's like, "Well, I'm not really comfortable talking about it because mm-hmm. it's not about me." I'm like, "But it's yeah. not about you." I'm like, "This is about the way God is working in the world, and He just happens to be doing something through you, and it's the people who are inspired through you." But and at the at the same thing at the same time, um, I've always it always gets me choked up. But, when I think about the gift of just being a journalist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you get to, everybody has a story. Everybody mm-hmm. has a story. And we get to hear that. We get to, just because we're willing to listen. And, you know, and and I mean, I've had some amazing story, people will share stories and they'll share stuff that they might not share with their family or with anybody else um, before, you know, and, and it's an honor to be able to, to listen to that and to convey it, and it, you know, and it's also inspiring as a as a person to to meet all these people and go, wow, you know, um, I need to be better, or I, you know, these are just great examples of the faith, right? I mean, yeah,
0: you're you're on a privileged um, ground, right, where you actually Absolutely. get yeah. to see um, how God is actually working um, in people's lives in this world in a way that a lot of us don't get to see.
1: Right, you know, and and some of the most powerful ones come from the most humble of people, right? Like there is this, we just did a story, um, our photographer Karen Calloway and I on this 97-year-old veteran who's been um, gardening since he was seven. Oh. And he grew up in Harvey, yeah. He grew up with one of um, 13 kids, two died in the Spanish flu. And, oh. I mean, this is a guy thats he was an army, you know, in the army during World War II, just this faith-filled guy. I tried. I asked him about what his faith means in his life, and he couldn't talk about it because he kept getting all checked up. But he gardens. Um, he gardens St. George Parish in Tinley Park, where he goes now, has gardens where the um, the produce goes to the local food pantry. So wow. he's been faithfully out. He's faithfully out there at the crack before dawn every day <laughs> in in the summer, and he and he's got this gift, right? Like the, he these mammoth pumpkins and these. He grows the the biggest. Cucumbers and but just small stories like that that are examples of how people can can do stuff and are doing stuff every day quietly and because they love the Lord and um, and want to you know and are just living their faith out. It's it is a huge privilege.
0: He's ninety seven. You said, yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing, and that really just shows like that he is using his gift and time yeah. and helping to create a garden. And then that food goes to feed people. That's amazing. What are some other um, stories that come to mind? In your 13 years here in in the diocese,
1: um,
0: her mind just went blank to all of stories. I
1: listeners. know, right? <laughs> they all kind of, kind of rushed to the. You know, I think. I mean, some of the ones I think about. I think about. Um, you know, Deacon Pablo Perez. We did a feature on him years ago. Oh, from Colby um, he's House. a Colby House minister, yeah. and he's a former gang member. He was a lieutenant in a gang, and he actually violated. They were threatening to kill him, and he violated out, which means they they beat you up to get, mm-hmm. if you live, then you get out. And all his all this time, his mom's saying to him, you know, you got to come to church, and he's like, I don't, you know, I don't believe in your God, and all kinds of stuff. And then he ends up being a deacon ordained yeah. for the Catholic Church. And his mom on ordination day goes, yeah, what about my God now, you know, (laughs) and just to see that, you know, that transformation. And he's, he's quietly, he's quietly doing, doing what he's doing. Other places like, you know. Well, share with our listeners,
0: why don't you share with our listeners what he does at Colby House? You and I know. Oh, he,
1: he goes into the jails, he goes Mm -hmm. into Cook and Lake County jails and um, talks to the the guys there and ministers to them and Mm -hmm. you know and we've seen it in action and he's somebody who can tell them he's been there yeah you know yeah he knows witness yeah the drugs the violence the the pressure the everything you know and and um you know and then again there's like these two ladies called padre angeles over on uh in little village and these are two Petite little women, and who are like a force of nature in the the community. The one woman's son was died by gun violence. The mm-hmm. other woman's daughter was shot, but she survived. And these two ladies, I mean, they barely have pennies to to rub together themselves, but they're giving everything. And they they started a moms group where they they're trying to help um, do this through a grassroots way and um, and violence through that connection. And you know this i'm like looking at them going wow you know and i'm i have i don't you know it's very it's very humbling because you see you see what um what they're doing um but you, see it's, work, right? you, see, you that, see it's
0: god's work right you see that that that's the humbling part is that it wouldn't even be possible if it weren't god working through them right that's right, right
1: and that's what they talk about most that this is mm-hmm. all for god you know yeah. because i love god that i'm you know that i'm doing this and mm-hmm. Just to see the, the the small gestures that transform, you know, people, um, things like—and um, just the, the jewels, too, in the Archdiocese, you know, like that we've got St. Benedict the African Church in Inglewood, that one of their charisms is, is producing Catholic—good Catholic art that reflects the population, so mm. um, a black Christ, a black Madonna, and— um, and, and just how the importance of that of people telling you their stories of what they went through through the civil rights era, and what they still go through and mm-hmm. um, how important it is to see themselves in the art depicted in the church because they've been around It's mostly white people depicted in churches, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. When we come back, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Joyce and hearing all these awesome stories from the Archdiocese of Chicago.
2: Teamwork. It's a word that inspires individuals and groups of people to achieve important goals. And in recent weeks, teamwork has been essential to our food and nutrition services at Catholic Charities. Careful allocation of food supplies has allowed all nine of our food pantries to serve twice the number of guests they usually see. A detailed coordination of staff and resources has ensured that our WIC centers remain open for families with children under five years old. Despite social distancing, our volunteers and restaurant partners have continued to make to-go meals possible for the hungry and the homeless who come to 721 North LaSalle and our suburban locations. And our creative employees have worked with food vendors and neighbors to make sure homebound seniors and the disabled still have meals delivered to them. Our team members recognize how serious food insecurity can be. Please join us in our mission. Visit www.catholiccharities.net.
3: Henry Ford once said, a business that makes nothing but money is a poor business. At Catholic Charities, we are deeply grateful to our corporate partners who agree with Henry Ford. Some of our corporate partners make a financial commitment each year to the work of Catholic Charities. Other partners donate or offer reduced prices on goods and services that help our clients find stability in their lives. Still other corporate leaders gather their employees and regularly volunteer at our food pantries and our suppers for the homeless. For over a century, support from businesses large and small has been vital to our efforts to strengthen the lives of individuals and communities, one person, one family at a time. If you'd like to join us in our mission, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Thank you.
2: Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five, To our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless. To our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways. To our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you.
0: Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host this morning, the Director for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship at the Archdiocese of Chicago, and I have with me Joyce DeRiga, who's an editor for uh, Chicago Catholic, so the local uh, newspaper of the Archdiocese of Chicago that's been around for quite a while. It's had a few different names, right, Joyce? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. started when it was Catholic New World, right?
1: Right. It started out as the New World for the Columbian Exposition. Um, we started in 1892. The exposition was 1893. And then...
0: Uh, wow. 1892. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. And Cardinal Bernadine changed it to Chicago Catholic. Cardinal George... I'm sorry, to... Yeah, Chicago Catholic. The Cardinal George... No, I apologize. Um, uh, um Gosh, I've got too many. This press day today. Um <laughs> The so one before Bernardine made it Chicago Catholic. Bernardine came back and made it um, the the New World, and then Cardinal George added Catholic to Catholic New World, and then Cardinal Supich took it back to Chicago Catholic. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's Catholic and it's in Chicago. I guess that there you go. Theme, yeah, right. Um, so you, we were just talking about, um, the different stories, um, that really share the good news of how Jesus Christ works in our midst and the, the humility that you get to stand on sacred ground sometimes and hear people's stories of faith. And you were just talking about, um, some of the churches and I think you were talking about, um, Benedict the African. Was that right? You were talking about the right. artwork. In Englewood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah and how important it is to see artwork in your own image. Um, that's beautiful, Yeah. that's beautiful. So do they have artists there that create it? They commission it. Oh, okay, to, um, okay.
1: They commission it, they're in fact, they're commissioning a piece right now to, um, that's about the racism that's going on, the uh, racial crisis that's going on right now. They also commission, they talk about um, how there's not a lot of liturgical music from African American composers, mm. so in the Catholic Church, so that so they've commissioned a mass um, when the parish oh. was re, re- mm. was united. Benedict it was Benedict the African East and Benedict the African West, and when they merged into one parish about two three years ago, they commissioned a mass from um, a black university down in Atlanta, and um, so they have their own mass. Yeah, but there's little gems like that, you know, all over. Of the Archdiocese, you know. People, if they've been to like places like Marytown up in Libertyville, which is the only Marytown in the United States, was founded by Mary. There's a Marytown on each continent founded by St. Maximilian Kolbe, who died and um, was killed in Auschwitz, you know, gave up his life for somebody. I mean, there's just gems like that all over the Archdiocese. What do you,
0: what do you mean he founded it?
1: So when... Uh Colby was, he started, he was very into communications, actually. He started newspapers and different uh-huh. things, and he founded these Mary towns that are Catholic centers. Um, and oh. on, he wanted one on each continent, and the one in the United States is here in, up in Liberty.
0: Liberty. Oh, wow. I did not know yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, a, yeah we know um, the story of Maximilian Colby. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. We do have a very diverse diocese. Um, with all of the different um, ministries. And we have we have um, national shrines here. Um, we have um, all kinds of things. So, yeah, a
1: lot of national ministries started here. And that's why I love if people to plug the newspaper, if you read the newspaper and you can just get it in your home or we've got e-newsletters online, um, the stories are all online, is you really get to see all aspects of the faith, um, which is what our mission is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even now with COVID nineteen, we've been out since the beginning um, talking about the food insecurity that's out there and who's doing what to help, and um, especially stuff going on right now with the with the marches and everything.
0: So that's the other side of this: is why why is it important to have um, a Catholic press? Why why do you think that's important?
1: Gosh. Um, because you know our stories aren't going to get told a lot of times in the secular press, mm-hmm. and you know that's why a lot of these Catholic newspapers founded when they were founded um, well, like for example us, there was a gathering of the bishops in um, of all the bishops in the in the u s back east and they were there was a lot of um, anti-catholicism going on at the time, and it really ramped up around. Cardinal Cardinal Mundelein's time when we were getting a lot of immigrants from Europe, and you know Catholics weren't good Americans. You see some of that still today, but the Catholic press is a voice that um, tells the story of the Catholic Church in you know a certain geographical area. And you know when you're as big as Chicago and as diverse as Chicago, there's a lot of stories to tell. You know we never we never run out of stories, and you really get to see. I think the face of your church, you get to Mm -hmm. see how active your church is, maybe get inspired on where you can help. Like a lot of people right now want to help with food drives or or whatever, you know, and and you can find out ways to, to do that. And you can see other people like yourself living their faith out and maybe get inspired and not feel, you know, alone. Plus it's a voice for the church to be able to get its message out there on, on issues. And that, you know, and every bishop uses their their paper. Not every diocese has a paper. Uh, any yeah, a lot of them right. used to, yeah. But um some bishops use it more than others as a voice to get his message out, you know.
0: Yeah, and so for example, right now we're reopening churches and that's a complicated undertaking for our parish communities. And they're all sort of going at their own pace um, because of the realities of their individual parish circumstances, because you have to have a lot of volunteers you, the pastor has to have a team of folks that are taking this on. And so you're not going to really read a lot about that in the secular press, but you can certainly, um, you know, pick up this paper and 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 you'll find out a lot of the details. Um, so that's one example of how we're beginning to open and some what some of the stories are around that. Is there anything interesting that you found about the reopening of churches yet?
1: Every like you said, you know every every parish is different. and um, you know, I thought, some would be and some are rushing you know kind of the ones you thought would be rushing out of the gate are they tend to have the the bigger base you've got i've we've come across some where the pastors are older and maybe have some health issues and they're Mm -hmm. going oh hold on let's not rush yeah you know and then we saw we we thought of you know you knew this was going to happen some some uh, parishes don't have it they skew older and or people that are vulnerable and they don't have enough volunteers. So to see other parishes stepping up to share volunteers is is um, nice. I'm cracking up at the sticky pews. I mean, I we haven't I haven't been in a ton of churches now, but yet, but yeah, they're all sticky pews because they're all sanitized, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, that's been inspiring to see too—is just how much people miss the Eucharist.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and. And missed that interact, and we had a couple parishes this weekend who did, as you probably know, drive-in masses for, especially for seniors who Mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable enough coming in. And um, so that's been, yeah.
0: There's been been a lot of creativity during this time,
1: that's for sure.
0: Uh, The um, I was I was looking on your website, and there's about the outdoor gardens that have been a respite during the pandemic. Um, That's a beautiful. uh, I, I was saying to someone that when this all started here in Chicago, it was, you know, March 13th, it was still winter. <laughs> yeah. And now it's a full-on uh, summer, and that's sort of extraordinary that we went through basically three seasons. Um right. And, uh, yeah, so those beautiful... So do you want to share with listeners about the gardens?
1: Sure. We, um, we did a feature on... Um, So there's Marytown that I just mentioned up in Libertyville. They have rosaries, um, all the mysteries of the rosaries. They have about seven shrines, like Padre Pio, St. Anthony, Infinite uh, Prague. They have a Divine Mercy image out there. They have the stations. So they have these grounds where you can go and pray and walk around. There's also the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Desplaines, which by nature is an outdoor shrine, which um, a lot of people know is is kind of the, the American sister to the shrine in Mexico City. Mm. They have a formal relationship. And people go, oh, my gosh, that's always so beautiful. People go out there all the time dropping off flowers, candles, mementos, seeking Mary's intercession, thanking her for interceding. It's a beautiful place. It's in displays um, by one of our cemeteries and across from a cloistered convent, so it's very peaceful and quiet out there. There's also some other ones that we tucked in there that people don't know about. There's often know about. There's the Healing Garden over at. Um, I mean, it's small, but it's over on Roosevelt Road at Holy Family, which was established by survivors of, of uh, clergy sexual abuse, along with the Archdiocese. And Cardinal George was um, pivotal in that. There's one of my favorites is um, besides Marytown and the Shrine um, is. Slovenian Catholic mission in Lamont. I mean, it's very—it's not well known, except if you live in the area. They have over a hundred acres, and oh wow, it's on a hill. It's so beautiful. They have state—they have the stations. They have um, different outdoor shrines. Same thing. They have a, a little tiny um, little pond there with a Lord's grotto, and they have a Rosary Valley. And I mean, it's just wow.
0: it's,
1: Yeah, such a peaceful place. And then we threw in. There's a replica. There's a shrine of cro- a hill of crosses in Lithuania. That um, kind of, if you look it up, is people. Um, it's a very historic. Temple. Two's been there. Other places that people have been there. But we've got a replica of that uh, actually in Lamont at the Lithuanian mission. Oh, wow. So, but that was that was a fun story to do to talk to people who have been out there um, using the shrines, and they go there, you know, instinctively.
0: Yeah, social distance, but um, find different yeah. ways to to be present to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and so we're gonna um, take a break right now, and then we'll come back and continue our conversation with some of the wonderful gems here in the Archdiocese of Chicago.
2: How do you transform an important annual fundraising event during a pandemic? The Lake County Women's Board of Catholic Charities has just the answer. Experience the Art of Caring, an online opportunity to support our neighbors in Lake County who have been affected in the most significant ways by COVID-19. For 31 years, the Lake County Women's Board has raised funds through the Art of Caring to benefit Catholic Charities programs and services that enrich the lives of seniors, veterans, families, and individuals in Lake County. Now, and through June 30th, you can join in these efforts to ensure that this life-affirming work continues. All donations are most gratefully accepted. Go to catholiccharities.net slash artofcaring to learn more, or call 847-782-4119. Catholic Charities 2020 Art of Caring, an innovative, memorable way to help others keep hope for a brighter future. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951. Anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you.
0: Can a dead man come back to life? Hey, your host this morning. Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host this morning. And I have with me Joyce DeRiga, who is the editor for Chicago Catholic and the local newspaper for the Archdiocese of Chicago. What an um, amazing um, resource for evangelization to be able to share the good news that's happening in our communities and with our faithful individuals who are letting Christ work through them. And Joyce, um, we were just talking about some of the gems in the Archdiocese, and you were sharing the the different outdoor spaces where people can go and find a place, um, a sacred space to pray, um, to social distance, um, and to uh, um, be able to find connection to faith um, now that we're able to get outside and and um, be able to move around. So thank you for that. And they can that story is in Chicago Catholic, so they can go online and Google that, right? And sort yeah. of, right, that's great. So just to continue that conversation um, about some of the amazing gems here in the diocese. So we have... Um, some pretty amazing saints or people on the way to sainthood that are coming out of this diocese, right?
1: Right, absolutely. Yeah, in particular, I've been thinking about Father Tolton lately. Yeah. Um, I actually got a chance to write a book about him, you know, with with the approval of Bishop Perry because there's more stuff that has come out. The Archdiocese opened his class for canonization in 2010, and if people don't know, he's the first recognized black priest ordained for the United States. And he... um Right now, um, he, he was born into slavery. He his mom fled um, to freedom with him and his siblings, That's and then amazing story, you
0: know, yeah, yeah.
1: Raised in ramp, uh, you know, right right in the days after the Civil War. Wanted to go to seminary, couldn't get all the seminaries in the United States said no, and um, then the Franciscans got him um, into urban college in Rome, which was for missionaries at the time. And then before he, um, that's a whole fascinating story for another day about how I find the cardinal who was key in sending him back and deliberately sent him back because the United States needed a black priest and needed to see, you know, and, you know, so I've been, um, and his whole story, you can see it at the Archdiocese website, but he, I was, we're, i'm working on right now we're going to press today so it'll be in this next issue it should be online thursday but talking to um, a couple of our black faith leaders i talked to bishop perry who's the postulator he's our only african-american bishop um father david jones who's the pastor of saint benedict the african and in who's african-american and then valerie jennings who you know she's a um, parish vitality coordinator and does a lot of stuff with renew my church in the Archdiocese and works with the cause, she's also African American, about what what would Father Tolton say if he saw what was going on now? Mm-hmm. And you know, and how can how can we use him as an example to to for peace and for unity and healing? And you know, one of the things they they talked about most and what it's me, so he was He had blacks and whites in his parishes. He Mm -hmm. had black and white altar service. He had black and white girls in the choir. He had, you know, and that's part of what got him run out of Quincy. Mm -hmm. But to him, the church was always about you're Catholic. Doesn't matter what race you are or what sex you are, you're just Catholic. And we talked about, um, all three folks that I interviewed talked about, we have racial, what we call single-race parishes now, which is abnormal. It's not the Pentecost experience, as Bishop Perry says. Pentecost was where, you know, the disciples were able to speak in all different languages to people mm. of all different. And we've self-segregated. And how, um, and how, by doing that, we're not seeing the fullness of the faith, because the fullness of the faith is universal, right? right. You can go to Mass in Nigeria, you can go to Mass in the Philippines, you can go to Mass in... Poland, you can go to Mass in Antarctica probably, you know, and people look different, but it's the same Mass, it's the same faith, and, um, you know, and just how disappointed, uh, Father Jones was saying, I think he'd be disappointed that, you know, it's been so many years, he died in 1897 and, um, over a hundred years and we still haven't gotten it yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, he, uh, you know, Meyer Center where I work, and that's actually where he collapsed. Was right outside there, right? Um, and so that whole, it's the South Side was Bronzeville. That was the South Side, and how he lived and worked. And wow, that's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, and he he was born into slavery, and a hundred years later, we are still dealing with these issues. So
1: yeah, and even in my research for my book, I found um. There's- catholic newspaper at the time was called the uh, black catholic newspaper it was called the american catholic tribune and they would report on tolton and um you know because he was a kind of a rock star back then and he get, he would give talks about the the genius of women just like john paul II talked about oh wow because, uh,
0: really i know
1: right i mean yeah and it makes well, sense. his mom i mean his mom, I mean, his mom right.
0: saved him right, right. She risked she, everything yeah
1: yeah and formed him in the faith and she was like his sacristan and his you know, assistant pastor, but not a obviously a priest. But you know, she was—they called oh, her. Oh, really? Um, yeah, she was always like working in his parishes. They called her Ma- um, Mother Tolton, which is a a name of respect in the uh, in black communities. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she did. T- I would, I'd love, I would love if I could pull somebody back from and have dinner with them. I would love to meet Martha Tolton.
0: Yeah. Wow. But, yeah. So the influence
1: he had in her life, you know, she had in his life. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. But, that's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And and we have one minute left. What would you like to leave our listeners with from your vast experience um, of serving in this diocese?
1: Everybody has a story.
0: Mm.
1: And they'll. it's worth listening to if you'll just listen and ask. And yeah. you can subscribe to The Chicago Catholic at chicagocatholic.com.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good plug. Yeah, I think that's important. And you never know how your story will impact someone else either, right? Exactly. Like Your willingness to share how God has worked in your own life and how God inspires you will, can inspire, inspire other people to do amazing things in small ways. So thank you so much, Joyce, for being with us and taking your time to share the good news with us of what the work You're that welcome. you do here in the diocese. Have a good morning. Thank
1: you.
0: You too. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media. And a dead man come back to